and thanks for joining us. I'm Kevin Rose, it's Friday the 27th of September, and welcome to the latest Sound Advice podcast from Best Advice. In this show, we'll be discussing perception and reality for the self-employed borrower, how the remortgage market performed in Q2, three things that have caught the eye of our guest broker, and a new rolling credit facility for landlords and property investors. New research in Kensington Mortgages has found that a million self-employed people think they'll never be able to own their own home. I'm joined on the line by Craig McKinley, new business director at Kensington Mortgages. Hello, Craig. Hi. And we're going to uh, look at the differences between perception and reality for the self-employed. But first off, what did your research establish about the self-employed and their perceptions about access to mortgage finance? Well, we found that two-thirds of people, two-thirds of self-employed workers, find it difficult to get a mortgage. And um, one in five think they'll never be able to own a home. And probably most worryingly, more than one quarter are so frustrated by getting a mortgage or so worried about getting a mortgage that they're actively considering giving up self-employed and finding a, you know, what's perceived as a more steady job uh, so that they can own a home. I mean, is this born out in reality? How are the self-employed typically treated by mortgage lenders? Well, I think there's a big gap between perception and reality, but it does depend on which lender you talk to. So typically, um, self-employed workers have have been seen as uh, being higher risk than an employed worker. And such, as many lenders have made them kind of jump through hoops, provide statements from um, auditors, tax returns, several years' worth of trading, etc. So I think they've been treated quite badly. But I think probably the key message for me is that not all lenders are like that. So some lenders are very flexible. Um, so lenders such as ourselves will um, accept self-employed people with just one year's worth of accounts. And actually, if you find the right lender, it can work really well for self-employed and there's nothing to fear. But isn't it true that uh, the self-employed are just more risky for lenders? No, no, and not at all. So the research we've got, and obviously we've got 25 years worth of data, and Kensington have always been a big player in self-employed, so we can look at the data going back a long way and and really understand them. But we find that actually self-employed are a better risk than employed people. So your average employed person can only typically last about one month because they're used to having get, getting paid every month. So if they do lose their job, typically they'll only have one month savings, whereas a self-employed person typically can last about six months if no new work comes in. And we've seen previously that about a quarter of self-employed people can last up to nine months without any new work coming in. So they tend to be cautious. They're in control of their own destiny. They can't be made redundant. Um, they're pretty you know, savvy with money. They're pretty good with, with their numbers. So we feel they're a, a really good risk. So with that in mind, why do you think that uh, a lot of lenders are still reticent about dealing with the self-employed? I think it's a historical view. I think it's from things like potentially self-certification back in the in the noughties um, when people said they were self-employed, said they overinflated their incomes, etc. But those days are long gone behind us with things like the mortgage market review, the um, onus on the lender to prove um, affordability, to prove they can pay not just now but in the future with various stress rates to evidence income, etc. is very, very different. So we're in a completely different world, but I don't think all lenders have caught up with that. And so finally, what should the message be from brokers to self-employed people who want a mortgage and what are the broker's options? Um, Well, I would say 
Um, if you're speaking to a self-employed person, that you should that you should give them confidence that there's a solution for them. I would tell them to try and get their paperwork together. You know, make sure they've got a year's worth of trading history. Um, the more kind of evidence they can pro- provide, the better. Although it's not a barrier, but they should feel confident um, about the future. They shouldn't be disheartened. And then, from the broker's perspective, I think it's really understanding which lenders are very much open for business and set for self-employed, um, and treat those customers customers well. I mean, for for Kensington, there's only about 18% of the UK population self-employed, but it's over half of our business because. Uh, we feel very strongly that self-employed people should not be discriminated against. Craig McKinley, thanks for taking the time. Thank you. Now, conveyancing firm LMS has launched its new quarterly remortgage health check index. Its CEO, Nick Chadbourne, joins us to discuss its findings. Hello, Nick. Hi, Kevin. Firstly, what are you seeking to achieve with the index? Uh, the purpose of the index is really to get a balanced view of the uh, the remortgage market um, over a quarterly period. Quite a lot of the statistics that uh, are produced in the market are around very numerical kind of statistics, i.e. the number of approvals or, or the number of, uh, of remortgages that have taken place. What we'd like to do is really get a view of the entire market and get a flavor over a longer-term period of time, so we'll release this each quarter, as to, uh, as to how the, uh, the sentiment and the flavour of the market is feeling at any given point. Now, obviously, this is the first one, so it's, it's not comparative, but um, you know, what is the story with approvals in the second quarter? Uh, I think so. approvals have been kind of very consistent, really. So I know it's our first one. However, you can look back over the last year or so in terms of approvals. They have uh, remortgage approvals that have been very positive. It's a trend that's been continuing for a good year or so. Uh, the product types are the interesting kind of dynamics, and that's what we've seen probably change in the last 18 months. But approvals are strong. Um, they, they follow, they tend to be up year on year, and I expect that to continue over the next uh, the next six months or so. You mentioned products. What are the, currently the most popular products, and uh, how are they changing? So nearly half of, uh, half of the products that people are taking are five-year fixed. And actually, it's really you know, this is a quarter two report, but I've noticed that, that the rates that are out at the moment are even more attractive for those longer term products. So the trend is really moving from two year remortgages to five year remortgages, and the number of two years are reducing. The number of five years has been really increasing. And actually, there's been some good 10 year products that have been coming out. So there is a real trend, both in terms of swap rates, um, but also then the, uh, the, re- the remortgage rate that's going to a more longer-term uh, fixed-rate dynamic um, for all borrowers. And what do you think is behind this need for certainty? Is it uh, you know, Brexit? It's really the, uh, the lenders that, that are driving uh, some of this. So the, the rates are such, such, such an attractive level, and the swap rates that sit behind it in, in between the, uh, the interbank swap rates are very attractive and more of the longer term at the moment. So the, uh, the, the lenders are putting really attractive longer-term rates out there, um, but also from a consumer sentiment point of view, I think with the political uncertainty um, in the market at the moment, that uh, actually if they think they can get a really good low rate, they're going to keep it for as long as they possibly can. Um, I think that that certainty over the longer term is really, really important for them, um, especially in such politically uncertain times. Um, there isn't a feeling, there's a sentiment in terms of do people think base rates are going to change. There is a little bit of, uh, of sentiment for consumers thinking that base rates might go up over the next year or so, but there isn't nothing too strong. So therefore, it's a case of let's get a good rate while we can. Products are coming off. 
uh, my, my, my product's expiring. I want to get a really good five-year fixed rate or longer term than that, and I'll lock in as long as physically possible. And so what are the most popular reasons for remortgaging at the present time? Well, right now, um, there's a lot of people, I think because, because of the nature of the political uncertainty and the home mover market, not as many people are moving house. So there is a, uh, a real drive by, uh, by borrowers to get a good rate, lock it in, that's number one. But also number two is to take some money out of the property, maybe do a home improvement or do an extension because you're not moving house. Uh, so that tends to be the main, uh, uh, the main reasons for remortgaging right now. Finally, uh, is there anything worrying in the data? Anything we should be looking for in the in the next one? Uh, on the the quarter two index, no. I think the quarter the, um, the quarter three index would be quite interesting because actually we saw quite strong consumer sentiment and borrower sentiment in uh, in the second quarter. So people are feeling quite positive. Now we all know in the market that that Brexit is kind of somewhat changed. There's a lot more political uncertainty. The view of potential general election. So I think the next one would be quite interesting to look at because uh, this is showing a fairly stable and positive consumer sentiment, fairly stable across the board, but with positive consumer sentiment. I'd be really interested to see if, uh, if, if consumers and borrowers are still feeling as positive about the world in the, in the third quarter, uh, given where we've seen the, uh, the politics go in the, in the UK. Well, we'll certainly have to get you back on to find out the, uh, the Q3 data. Nick, thanks very much for your time. Excellent. And now for our weekly three of the best spot. We're joined this week by Sean Church, Director at Private Finance. Hello, Sean. Hi. And you'd like to talk about how to help people who are asset rich but income poor. Uh, yeah. So uh, one of the things that we're seeing in the market is that you have a, a very good good quality borrower, perhaps a well-established person, typically an older client who has perhaps a, a large pension pot or investments or, uh, you know, a large uh, cash savings, something like that. Uh, but actually, in terms of, uh, you know, taxable income is, is, is not actually receiving uh, that much, if anything at all. And certain lenders are able to take a pragmatic approach to that and look at monetizing the assets that you have in the background. For example, let's just say that the person had a, a share portfolio valued at a million pounds, uh, and uh, some lenders will say, okay, well, look, that, that's going to give a return of approximately 4 or 5%, and so therefore we could say that you know, you've got potential income, not actual income, of forty to 50,000 and use that for affordability purposes. The other thing that they can also do is say, okay, well, we're lending you 500,000 pounds, let's say, and uh, it's a five-year term. So you could sell off £100,000 worth of your portfolio each year over the five years, and that would serve as income, in inverted commas, to service the debt. So not a lot of people know that that's, that's a thing. And I think there are a lot of people perhaps sitting there with mortgages that are on variable rates or whatever it may be, and they perhaps don't know what's available and what's out there and, and, and they don't know that they've got a, a borrowing capacity that perhaps is a lot higher than they might have been led to believe. And I, I, I'd like to wait, raise awareness at that point. And uh, you know, we, we're seeing more lenders coming on board with that, with that kind of thing. Uh, there are typically sort of challenger banks, uh, building societies or private banks which service that area of the market. And I'd like to see a few more of the mainstream lenders coming on side with that. And I think over time we, we may well see that because... 
it makes very good sense to uh, yeah to, to lend to these people. Uh, they're the type of people that will have a mortgage that probably don't need one. Uh, I mean, you're good quality business, and uh, you know I'd like to see more more of that. But uh, certainly getting the word out there will uh, hopefully help. And moving on, what's your take on interest only mortgages? Yeah, so interest only, I think, is is an interesting one. Um, the uh, it's, it's taken, a, as I said, a bit of a bashing over the years, and, and people used to use it, or, or it was seen as a, as a tool to be able to borrow more money than uh, was affordable on a repayment basis. Now, following the regulatory changes and everything else, and, and, and welcome changes they were, uh, it, it's, uh, it's now being used in, in, in the right way. And I think uh, certain lenders you know, have a minimum entry criteria, 75,000 income, 100,000 income, whatever it is, it's aimed at that sort of sector of the market, and uh, you know, for the right borrower, it, it's still a very, very uh, interesting and useful tool for them to be able to manage cash flow effectively. And with rates being as low as they are at the moment, it's uh, it's really, really, uh, you know, if, you, if you're investing in the stock market, let's say, and you're getting a return of whatever it is, five percent per annum, and you're borrowing on a five-year fixed rate that. You know, one and a half percent, one point five, whatever the five five, I think, is the market leading rate or thereabouts at the moment. So, you know, it it makes good sense for those people with a repayment vehicle that is in stocks, shares. I mean, obviously, it's variable; it could go up, it could go down. But uh, it, it it makes sense for the more sophisticated borrower. And uh, we're seeing more more and more lenders supporting interest only again now, which is something that has taken probably a decade to. Uh, to happen, but it's uh, it's certainly being well supported by the lenders, and and again, I think we'll probably see more and more people coming on side with with that as well, realizing that it's not uh, not a a problem for the market, and actually it, it works quite well. And finally, uh, first time buyers, rates are improving on the higher LTV range. Yeah, so I think it's never been a better time to be a first time buyer. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm if I'm honest, I think you know if we look at uh, the various schemes that are in place, you know, help to buy and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and then even if you, you know, sort of strip that out and then the, the, the stamp duty breaks that are in, in, in place for people getting onto the ladder and the cost of borrowing is, is uh, at higher loan to values is as low as it's, it's ever been. You know? So uh, rates at 90% are, you know, below 2% at the moment, most of the loan to value. And uh, therefore, you know, with the, advent of the longer term mortgage 35 in 40 years in some examples and then you're seeing now the cost of borrowing and the affordability has never been as good as it uh, never been as good uh, never been so good for, for first time buyers so i think um it's, it's really a, a good most people getting on the on the ladder we're seeing a lot of activity in the market at that uh, at that level and uh, in the sort of naught to 500 bracket people taking that first step and often, when you do the numbers, depending on where you live, uh, it tends to be uh, cheaper than renting. Uh, if you look at the mortgage payment versus uh, if you take a typical two-bedroom flat in, in London, what you might pay to rent that versus your mortgage payment on a repayment over 35 years tends to actually be lower than the rental. So, And also, you're, you're chipping away at the mortgage debt as well. So it's a really good... Good thing if you can do it, and uh, it, it's never never been more available. Uh, you know, the, the criteria is, is getting more relaxed. Offering, if you're a professional, for example, up to five and a half times income, which is 
you know, a, a, a relatively new thing. And um, it, it's, it's been really well supported by, by the market. The demand is certainly there. Uh, I think the biggest struggle is the supply of stock. But, you know, that, that there's only so much uh, you can do. So, you know, we've got, the, the, the funding is there. Uh, the cost is low. The schemes are in place. Uh, so I think, yeah, it's, it's a great time to be a first-time buyer and, and taking that first step into property ownership. Selena Finance is offering flex affordability to experienced property investors. On the line is its managing director, Michael Beeman, to find out what it all means. Hello, Michael. Hey, Kevin. Now, can you explain what your new property investment credit facility is? Sure, absolutely. So this is the newest product from Selena Finance, and it functions almost exactly like it sounds. It's a, it's a credit facility that is built for property investors, specifically for professional property investors. And it's secured by the existing properties they already have in their portfolio. What this means is this credit facility can serve as a, a hunting license, if you will, for professional property investors. If they have a need for financing to pay legal fees, to do a refurbishment, to put a deposit down on a new property, this is a facility that they can draw down on, and they have complete flexibility to pay it back or redraw down on it again. So who's it exactly aimed at? So it is a product that's not necessarily for everybody, but it's really targeted at professional property investors. So these are our, uh, investors who have at least three properties in their portfolio. And the reason we do this is because we can be a lot more comfortable uh, offering financing and offering this sort of flexibility to these sorts of uh, uh, professional property investors at much more attractive rates. So this is why we can offer what really is a better proposition than anything else that professional property investors could, could access in the market. But what are the costs to the borrower? I mean, does flexibility cost a little bit more? Yeah. So the cost, in terms of... Uh, the cost, it's actually quite similar, even compares favorably to other financing options out there, including bridges that, uh, bridging loans that professional property investors would otherwise go for. And so the reason why we can offer this, we can offer the additional flexibility while at the same or even lower cost, uh, is because we are really focusing on professional property investors. We are focusing on people with a couple vitalettes in their portfolio. This is something that gives us an additional piece of security. So in terms of the cost, if you're a professional property investor, there's actually no additional cost here. You just get the benefit from the additional flexibility because you are a better uh, a better risk for us to take. And is this product uh, aimed to replace something like bridging or a commercial loan or, or buy-to-let, or is it just uh, an addition, really, another tool in their armory? Yeah. So this is another tool, put simply, this is another tool in a professional property investor's armory. Um, this is a tool where we aren't offering huge ticket sizes. We'll go up to 400000 which can be a lot in some circumstances, but it's not going to solve every problem for a professional property investor. But what we found is that there are a lot of very savvy professional property investors out there who are clamoring for a facility just like this, something that is that is easy to get initially and, and fast initially, and then gives complete flexibility once you have it to kind of go in and out of it. Because from working with a lot of our borrowers, we found there are 
you know, it's very clear how many sorts of expenses and needs for quick funds uh, there are if you're a professional property investor. And uh, I know it's early days because you've only just introduced it, but um, could you see this product evolving over time? Yeah, so we see this being a uh, a huge uh, a huge product over here in the UK. So I don't know if you can tell from my accent, but uh, I'm not uh, I'm not from here originally. I'm actually Canadian. I have been in the, the UK for for a, a few years now and working in the uh, the, the lending space as well. Uh, but one of the things that we're bringing over kind of from North America is this concept of really flexible secured finance, uh, this sort of secured credit facility. This is a, a massive market in, in North America because it really does serve a, a big consumer need, especially for property investors. So this is something that we think will be a, a much, much bigger market in the UK uh, in a few years' time than, than it is now because it is a very, very helpful tool for, uh, uh, for property investors. And finally, in the conversations that you've had with the brokers, what's their reaction been to this facility? Yes, in our conversations with brokers, they uh, um, it's, it's really exciting because you kind of explain the proposition, explain how it can be used, and you can see the light flicker in their eyes immediately. This, you can, and you can see them thinking about, uh, oh, I have a client who this would be perfect for. I have a, uh, I have a customer who uh, this would benefit, uh, this would have solved their problem uh, from a couple months ago if only this was available then. And that's one of the most encouraging things about having these sorts of conversations with the brokers because they can immediately see like how this product can be deployed to solve problems for for, for their clients. So the uh, the reception so far has been uh, absolutely fantastic, and uh, we've been a uh, really we're really kind of pleased with the reception that our our broker partners have have given this and. Our broker partners are a huge, uh, a huge part of our, uh, our our business model and and how we get these loans out there. So uh, it's been critically important for us that uh, they're on board with this as well. Michael Beeman from Selena Finance, thanks for joining us. I'm afraid that's all we have time for. But thanks for joining us. For all editorial and advertising inquiries, please go to our webpage, bestadvice.co.uk slash podcast. See you next week.